0: Um, Our star presenter is Leanne Cook, who has helped us create and is working with Jeff and GZ very intensively on this tool called Mahara. So we're gonna speed it up a little bit. She just got noticed this morning that she was accepted for a very special class, one of the classes that she wanted, so that's good. Um, And also just as a housekeeping note, we don't have anybody lined up for future um, Bites and Bagels or Bagels and Bites. I never get it right, so I just say b and B. I I think I say it differently every time. But if there's a topic that you'd like to share, something that you've been working on, um, please, please feel free to step up and, and know that today, you're very much seeing a work in progress. This is not a final product. So it's gonna look a little rough around the edges. And what we're gonna spend time talking about is more of our process and how we're designing it. So I thought that would be useful and we all did. Jeff and I were talking yesterday about the other projects at TRI that are going on around portfolios. So you may have some interest in this from a programmatic standpoint too and how to get to the digital phase. Uh, But most of what we will be focusing on is at the individual level. Well (coughs) let me just start off with context and as I said this is going to be brief. Um, We we know that in design of any type that you have to deal with the context of, of who you're working with and the community. So in the case of, of early childhood programs, you have to think about in Oregon where those programs are. Are they in someone's home? Are they a small program? Are they like the one here at Western? And in our context, we've got to think about a national context. All right, so in design, you have to keep those things in mind. I am not gonna show you as many videos as I'd hope because as I said, our STAR presenter has to leave. Uh, But as Shelby knows, our videos are at the heart of a lot of what we're doing in terms of outreach and and, um, explaining what this role of intervention is about. So if you all have dealt with us in any way at all, you've been hearing the word intervener. And some of those on our project think that the intervener movement has taken over our entire project to their chagrin, right? But that's happening for a number of reasons and some of those aren't just directed by OSEP, our federal funding agent, and our source of direction. It's also happening out of our community because children who are deafblind, when you have combined vision and hearing loss and you're scattered across maybe in rural schools, maybe in Idaho, maybe in some other part of the country, You don't have people who are trained who know how to meet your needs because of the low incidence disability nature of that that disability. My own son has autism and so even in Oregon and even in the little school that he attends here in uh, IES, they know about autism. And they know about autism because they've been exposed to it many times. James is not a member of a low incidence disability group and we've, we've been able to get great services for him. So that's not the case for many parents of children who are deafblind. These are the three main domains of an intervener's role. And The reason we talk about that is because this is what has to be represented in the portfolio. Can the person, this individual who's supporting this little boy, and again we're gonna share this video, this uh, slide program so that you can go back and look at the videos later. Um, But again, I don't want to take up too much time. Can she provide access to this little one here, who doesn't necessarily, is not fully blind, but maybe has low vision, maybe he has myopia in the extreme. Can she also help him access communication and develop that skill? With any form of hearing loss, whether it's mild, moderate, or profound, severe, profound, you have a severe access lack of information coming into you, incidental conversations, things that you all were doing when you just came in the room and talked to each other. Right, so can this individual help him access communication and develop that skill? And can she also, his social and uh, and emotional well-being. Uh, Deafblindness is very isolating. It means that you are missing out on those opportunities to make friendships. So that's also a part of the intervener's role. Uh, I am gonna show just one little part of a clip. This little clip here is an intervener providing access to a young man who has language and they are at Arlington National Cemetery. So let me go ahead. Can we tolerate this if it's, okay it's already gonna do it.
1: Arlington is misspelled. It is. We did not produce this video. Can I
2: ski it around? Yeah.
0: So in this video, Matt is deaf-blind. He has limited vision and he's hard of hearing. You can see that he's using hearing aids and speech, but he has a language system. So what Cindy is doing is providing that access to environmental information, explaining the layout of Arlington. And as I said, she is a paraprofessional who produced this video.
1: And with different texture on the side. And this is a Matt is a
0: gifted student and he's on an academic
1: track. When she died?
2: She's
1: a wife. wife of Melvin
0: Okay, so they were having a conversation. She, this is a woman, Juanita, who died. She's a wife of someone in the cemetery. So there's all these contextual things that someone with sight and hearing can walk around and read that and say, wives, wives are buried here too, not just. Husbands or husbands of a wife who served in the military, you know. There's all these kind of conversations that go on that she's explaining all that backfill. All right, let's look at just one other quick example, because it relates to the portfolio. What do I want to do, guys?
3: Uh, present up in the top right. have right by comments.
0: The, the oh, got it. There you go. Thank you. Watch his hands. What's he saying to her? With no language.
1: or my way.
0: But notice how he tolerates it when she does it a different way. So these are one of the sets of skills that interveners must have. And uh, in thinking about this, this is what we have to represent with the portfolio. Again, I'm going to move on for Leanne's sake, our sake. Uh, The CEC, the Council for Exceptional Children, uh, does have knowledge and skill competencies for many different types of special educators. What is new and rare is that they are now taking on paraprofessionals. Interveners are considered paraprofessionals in school systems and often are paid as such. Sometimes an intervener is lucky enough to have another type of skill set or credential where they're able to be paid at the level of an interpreter. For example, Cindy, who you saw in the first one at Arlington, she does have a credential as an interpreter. So she's actually paid at that rate, although she's really working as an intervener. But these knowledge and skill competencies are important and they come into play later for how do we document all of these different domains within a portfolio. We've got some things to consider here. What we've been doing is working with Moodle and Jeff and I are going to come back to this part of it later but it began with a a study that was led really by our partner Peggy Malloy in looking at the landscape, the current needs of where Intervenor Services are across the nation. What are those needs and what are those gaps? As we said, it's episodic. Interveners exist in some places and not in others. Many schools, if we went down the street, maybe we went to Monmouth Elementary School and we said, What is an intervener? We might have one or two people that could guess at what that was, but most likely they wouldn't know what that was. If you ask them, What's an interpreter? another parallel, they're going to know what that is because it's been more accepted and standardized. So one of our, out of our recommendations, people said what we need are more high quality resources. There's a real disparity in the ways that interveners are trained and prepared. So this is what I've been working on really heavily with many, many members of our team. When Jeff first downloaded Moodle, it's an open source system. If any of you have worked in Moodle, Bonnie teaches in Moodle, you know that Moodle's a bit clunky. Moodle's a bit linear. It's designed for function. So we had that wonderful presentation on Delight, which was a fabulous presentation that the team did about how you design and you you think about the experience, the real user experience and beauty. That's kind of not where we're coming from in Moodle. When we downloaded this shell, it was absolutely completely white and bare. And we've dressed it up a little bit, but there are limitations in what we can do. Carol just did a really nice review of our materials, and she was asking us many questions like, why does this video have to go here? Well, some of it is the constraints of Moodle. You can only put one video on a face page before it forces you to go into subpages. So it's, it's not, as, um, not as sexy as some of the tools that we would like to use. We chose it for its accessibility, its adoptability, its scalability, and its use. Because it's free, it's more democratic. So that means that even systems in Alaska or perhaps the Pacific Rim could have the resources to use Moodle more easily. We wouldn't have to go in and redesign things. We also decided to use it because it's more accessible. Because so many brains have been invested in designing and developing Moodle, there's a whole international community that uses Moodle. There's lots of conversations about Moodle. There's new plugins being designed about Moodle. So though it's very plain Jane, it's got some other things to it in, in terms of an ecosystem. And perhaps the most uh, compelling thing for me, and you've heard me talk about this at other Bites and Bagels, is the accessibility piece for people who use screen reader software. So for people who are blind, learning management systems, Moodle is one of the more accessible. And there have been people who focused on accessibility in Moodle, so that's been exciting. Again, rushing a bit. You'll notice that this is uh, Eric's wonderful learning graphic that he designed in conversation with me. This has helped our community so much. I'm so proud of it and um, use it in conversations all the time to be talking about where we're going, where we are. It's kind of overwhelming what we've created because there's so many layers to it. Right, Shelby? Mm -hmm. There's so many layers to the videos, to the resources and assets that we have. Shelby's been key in helping edit some of those resources. So we've got eight modules that are publicly available, ten that are in process of being field tested and edited and revised, eight that are slated for creation this winter. And all of those modules are meant to address that compendium of knowledge and skills within the CEC. So what we wanted was a complete set, something that would address those. So as you all are thinking about this process or this tool, I know you're going through the same thing with childcare providers. In some ways there's some nice parallels, right? Because many childcare providers are not, they don't have advanced degrees. They maybe have a little bit of college. Maybe they went through high school. Maybe they've got some really good training, but they're very good with kids. Maybe they're not the best with spelling, but they are the best at providing access to a person. They are the best in engaging children in really meaningful ways and using those tools. So there's some parallels here. So our our real goal now, and I'm gonna jump into this, we can come back to some of this later, as I said. Uh, We've been in cycles of creation, cycles of field testing, and module use in the Moodle ecosystem. And again, I can't really go into this now, but if you're curious, uh, many people have asked us, why is NCDB taking on this role of developing a national certificate. We are doing that because we were asked to by the federal government, by our project officer. And it is an outgrowth of some of those recommendations that we found in our data because of the disparity across the nation. It is a reasonable role for a national person, a national entity an organization, to look across what the states are doing and help bring together those practices into something that everyone can use and that's kind of what we're doing. Uh, I'm providing a link to a blog post which is written by Jay and put out to uh, that describes more of our reasons for doing this and hopefully we're in very much in dialogue with our community about this. Jeff and Leanne and I along with JK are going to Portland next week to talk with some of our stakeholders. So as I said you're seeing a process that's very rough cut. It's very much in process but maybe it can spark some dialogue with you in your own portfolio uh, exploration. Okay, so now I'm gonna turn it over to Leanne. And I I gave her a pack of lifesavers this morning, (laughs) which was symbolic. (laughs) Good morning. morning. I
2: know it's bright and early, thank you. I appreciate it. So um, we had a need, a need for a portfolio and Really, how did we find it? It was a lot of searching. And it wasn't, it wasn't just typing into Google a portfolio. It was hearing what people said, hearing, hearing the buzz about portfolios, looking into online communities and what they said. It wasn't just, I have a problem, I need a solution, give it to me. It was a lot of thought and a lot of collaboration from outside communities that really led us to find Mahara. And Mahara is just in simple an e-portfolio. It's open source. um, It's been around since 2007. And essentially what it is, is a storage house for artifacts. So a digital version of this. (laughs) So rather than having it line your office, it lines the internet. (laughs) That's a real picture by the way. Yeah. So it stores documents, it stores everything that would be in here digitally, but you can add videos. so you can see what they look like in the room, what they look like with the children um, without having to be there. So it's a digital solution and and the beautiful thing about it is it can be updated and revised and, and it can continue to grow. It's not stunted, it's not held within a binder so it can't have a limitation and you give it back or give it to your next reviewer. Um, and one of the, mo- uh, the the great needs that Mahara filled for us was that it interfaced with Moodle. They were both funded by the New Zealand government and they were meant to work together. So the beautiful thing is they can work together. Um, One of our state partners, Minnesota, um, they chose, they haven't, they don't, um, aren't as, uh, they have a program set up so they don't need the modules. So they can use the Mahara without Moodle. Or you can use Moodle and just take it as professional development without Mahara. Or you can use them conjoined in the beautiful name that the internet has given them Mahoodle. So Mahara works for us for for a few reasons, and these are the really poignant ones, is that it connects with this beautiful resource that we've already created in the AHOA modules, but it can also work at a distance for reviewers. So all of our reviewers don't have to be in one place. They can be in New York, Tennessee, and Alaska, and they can all look at the same portfolio simultaneously. There's not the passing of the notebook, which is kind of that old paper and pencil system that we were hoping to sort of get away from, because it is cumbersome, I mean, as we saw in that picture, and I, I see all your heads, which definitely confirms that sort of overwhelming nature. So, Jeezy, if you will come and join me beautifully.
4: So once um, we had determined that Mahara would be an effective tool.
2: Come a little closer. You gotta get in the video.
4: Alright. So once we had determined that Mahara was something we wanted to work with, the next stage is actually to go through and explore and to test. It's like you do not buy a car simply because it gets good reviews. You actually want to go out and you want to test drive it. And part of that really means pushing it. What do we need? Where will this thing break? Um, what's weak? What's strong? But most importantly, will the needs that were coming out of the committee who's designing the evaluation match with the capacities which are in Mahara? So, Mahara is a really Expansive and complex tool. It's designed for a variety and can be applied in a variety of purposes. You can do an encyclopedia or a collection of all of your photographs. You can put together materials and documents for a class. You can run certifications like we're trying to build this towards. There are numerous applications. In order to have all of those applications, you have to have many, many options. In just a little bit, you'll see an image of just one of the menus and all of the different submenus. So you have to have a really robust tool. But we have a specific purpose, we have a specific context that's meant to serve reviewers as well as is meant to serve the applicants. And so how can we design and have an accessible website and portfolio that these populations can use? Part of that is developing useful instructional material or guides like screencasts. Part of that is also going to the reviewers and asking what is it you want, what is it you think you need. One
2: of the things I want to mention on screencast is what we decided to do was, instead of to each one of us having to go through the learning curve in the process, was to record our own process of learning and discovering so that when it comes time to share the knowledge, it's a click away. You don't have to wait till we can sit down at the computer side by side and I can hold your hand through it, which so often we encounter, is you have this knowledge, can I have it? Can you just give it to me? So we tried to find a way that when we start using this on a larger scale, that we can all easily become involved because we've documented the knowledge and the successes and the fails along the way.
4: It's really been a means of making the tacit knowledge and experience explicit in order to reduce the amount of time and especially to reduce frustration with people who are not necessarily familiar with the system. And We found that in Moodle as well, that if you provide additional multimodal support, you reduce the frustration and you increase the rate of adoption. So we've talked about
2: complexity. So when you start with Mahara, it literally looks like this, a white page with your name. And when you open something and all that there is is a white page and your name, the first thing you feel is panic. (laughs) So what, then this on the other side is what a more complete portfolio would look like. So right here you see all these green, those are like chapters within a book that lead to separate pages. So we have so much more content, but now we've refined it down to a smaller, um, more palatable approach. So in that I think we, the, the limitations and, and the complexity as the limitation is really the thing that's come the most.
4: And I think part of that is also when you show up on the first page, you either have a blank or you start looking at the menus. Which menu do you choose? If you, Unless you have worked with blogging or creating some of your um, own online content, many of the menus will probably not make sense. And what we found, again, from the uh, Moodle Ahoa um, experience with a lot of the intervener population is that there are a few people who are very tech savvy. They don't need to have their hands held but there are many people who they spend almost all of their time either developing professionally or out with the kids or trying to get funding that they do not have time to ramp up to the tech skills and so we need to reduce the amount of friction and reduce the amount of workload and that with Mahara is making it as simple as possible and so if you have the pages if you have templated material then they will be guided through what they need to do as opposed to being for us to ask and answer the question, what do I do here? What do I do here? What do I do here?
2: So when you start Mahara, you have that blank page which on the side of editing looks like a blank page and then you have this menu. But I'm gonna show you what's really on this menu. There's over 35 options of things that you can put on your portfolio and when you see the blank page you panicked, but when you saw this you wanted to run but the thing is the tool worked so beautifully to accomplish so many things so we kinda had to think what are we gonna do what how do we how do we streamline this for our users
4: and its again this is going back to what the committee who's designing this is asking looking at the CEC expectations looking at what kinda artifacts do we know will be submitted and what can we what from the menu can we exclude but we also had to ask how much control do we want to keep because on the one hand these are professionals who know what they're doing in their field the last thing you want to do is be condescending and and insult them but you also want to make sure that they don't get frustrated and feel like they're wasting their time similarly you want the reviewers to be able to access it so and access it easily so keeping those two populations in mind and figure out how do we do this without burning up too much time
2: So one of the solutions we had was to make a template, to have somewhere for you to start, because we want you to be able to control this yourself because you're the intervener who's going through this process. You're the one that works with the kid. You know what you need to show because you have the CEC document as your guide. So we had to think about what kind of evidence it will be, video, text, images, and then also what's available. So here's an example of a template. On this side, we have it already broken down into the parts that you'll need. Over here, all they had to do was to put in upload the videos, the documents. That was all the work they had to do to make it work because we we had done the guest work already.
4: And throughout this, I mean, Amy described this and discussed this as an iterative process earlier. Iterative, iteration is standard in a lot of software development and in a lot of good writing development. How many of you have written grants? worked on grants, <laughs> you know that very
1: well.
4: <laughs> exactly or if you've ever done any writing of any significance at all you edit, write, you write, edit, revise, write, edit, revise, get other eyes on it give it to potential audience, get feedback. Iteration is, has been an important and intentional part of this process and part of it is asking the committee, well we need to meet CECs, how do you want that? Uh, not really sure yet, so we would go look, find some options She would go back and talk to them, share some options, get feedback. And this has been a perpetual cycle of getting feedback, which is much more, I don't know how to, it will not, when you're on the technical side or the the website side and somebody says, we want a website, but we don't really know what we want on it. That can drive you nuts. (laughs) But, and and Jeff is nodding. Um, (laughs) But if you can get a couple criteria, then you can go get a rough model and bring it back and get some feedback. There needs to be a conversation, and that's what we've really tried to do. But we've also pulled from other communities who've developed similar documents.
2: So we did start with the "We want this, but we don't know what we want," which was overwhelming when there was over 130 CEC competencies to address. So I have 130 check marks, and I'm not quite sure how to check them off. So what we did is we looked to the communities first. The Mahara community, which I know some of you have worked in Moodle. And there's an immense online community of support. There's people who are there on the ready that reply within five minutes of you asking a question. And they're there to help you and support and facilitate your growth within this system, which was the most, um, it was almost inspiring in a way because there are people who are so ready to help. And they were people who didn't even have to do it. They just did it because they wanted you to be successful with this tool. So we had the Mahara community behind us and the deafblind community's knees in front of us. So then we started asking, what, what do you need? And we started over many um, Adobe calls and listening and hearing kind of the buzz and what they wanted, but without directly asking. We started coming up with some ideas that they wanted, simplicity in language and white space. And then they told us um, there was a document that they'd been using for many years called Home Talk. And us to kind of use that as a a a lift off platform. So I'm going to show you Home Talk. Um, It's a workbook. (laughs) Um, and it's kind of what you would fill out paper and pencil style. So I remember when they told us this, Jeezy and I looked at each other and we went like this because we weren't sure how to make paper and pencil and and we see the simplicity of this but there's so much, if you have seen one that's filled out there's so much intent and so much work put into it that we had to kind of find a way to meld the two, the simplicity with the room for um, thought and intention so we also had to think about why they liked this. Why, what did they like? They liked the white space, the icons, the, the nice flow, and we had to sort of put that into our portfolio. So we initially started with, this is a screenshot of one of our first portfolio pages. It has one long scroll, it's like a scroll of doom. You know, those pages that never end. That's what we had. Um, there weren't any divisions between artifacts. There was no white space, and there was words like justification and artifact, which kind of made people go running. So then after we started this iterative process we started hearing what they wanted, more white space and here we have two categories that only one may be addressed but to keep, the, keep continuity across so there's not any confusion why things look different. Um, there's a roadmap map right here that tells you what to expect, tabs to scroll through at the top saying this is what else you can see without clicking eight buttons to try to get there. And, and one of the most important things was simplified language. So um, there would be a large gap and then another artifact. But right here is where you would see all those big, scary words that kind of made you think, um, what am I supposed to do next? So we took that out as a different approach to make it more palatable. Um, and there's already been a lot better response just by hearing and responding. And that iterative process has been um, it has been a community. And it's, it's really helped our work. Um, I think it's gotten a lot farther the more we listened. So Jeff, the man with all the answers.
3: Oh no. Thank you. No, I don't have too many answers. In fact, um, when I was approached, when was it, over summer, to install Mahara? Yeah. And uh, I thought, oh great, okay, I'll go find this Mahara thing, and I'll download the code, and I'll push it up to the server, and. There you go, have fun everybody. And it was, you know, I'm, I'm done, right, I installed it. I don't know the code base, I didn't build this thing. Um, but GZ and Leanne continue to come back and ask me to do the impossible, which is sometimes kind of fun. Um, but they've done a lot of customization to this tool. And they did it all on their own. They figured out how to, how to make it happen, as Leanne just showed you. And uh, I, I think they introduced beautifully what the purpose behind the customization is. Um, you know, Mahara is a great and powerful tool, Whoops, um, but it's very confusing. It can be confusing. Um, if you're an expert at, at, at developing web content within a browser interface, it's perfect for you. But if uh, you're told that, hey, you now need to do this in order to show uh, your competency level in a certain area, go do this, here's the link, sign in, create an account, and off you go. Um, it, it can be overwhelming. So, as we saw, uh, as Leanne showed us those those menus, that that's that's in your portfolio creation area. So, you, when you go to create your portfolio to do the main thing that you came here to do, you've got 35 options. You know, and within each of those options, uh, let me go forward a slide. A couple, of, within each of those options, it's what. That's what this looks like. You know, you've got, so you open up any of those. uh, Let's say I wanna do, you know, add an image, let's say. Well, so I click add an image. That seems simple enough. Boom, oh, um, now what do I gotta do? Okay, so I've got, you know, six uh, radio buttons and some files, no files found. What does that mean, where do I get files? uh, You know, is it here or there? Um, So it's, it's just confusing. So behind those 35 options is stuff like this and uh, that's not helpful uh, to a lot of folks either so um, we realized i think it was a couple of weeks ago maybe three weeks ago we've got to do something with that portfolio creation area and the community was the community around moodle is fantastic the community around mahara is good but limited there aren't as many people using mahara Um, and the community in this respect there's crickets. There's, there's nothing out there. <laughs> so we're really kind of, we're, we're kind of innovating here. It's like how do you take that, that menu down and allow creation to sort of be boxed into a very specific set of things with language that you understand um, and, and objectives that you understand coming in there as an intervener. And uh, it's all for, you know, confident users is higher adoption and we want people to use this. Um, and if, if users come into a system and they feel, okay, I'm empowered, I can do this, I got it, I can wrestle this thing uh, within a few minutes and be on my way, adoption is going to be much higher than if they're confused and they've got to make phone calls or send emails. Um, and as I mentioned, fortunately, Mahara is extensible, so you can change all this stuff. Um, and it's, it's written in PHP, which I'm you know, familiar with, a lot of people are familiar with. There's a community around it this stuff can be done. Um, it's just what we're doing here, I don't think has really been done. <laughs> so as, as Amy mentioned right up front, this is a work in progress. And we're trying to figure it out, but I'm confident we will get there. So what we wanted to kind of do, at least with this menu structure, is take this in the, the image that Leanne showed earlier and turn it into something more like this. So now we have performance evaluation, I can add an interview. I can add an observation. I can add a work sample, coursework, and on and on. I think there's about 12, uh, what do we call them, documentation, artifacts, evidences. the evidences that you can add. So right there, it's like, oh, I know what a work sample is. I've got some coursework. I've got letters of reference. Right there, the language is, is more direct and, and allows you to go, uh, kind of gives you a path to work with. Now I don't. We haven't actually built these out yet. This is sort of where we're going, but behind each of these, I imagine a very simplified uh, pop-up window that is tailored specifically for an interview or an observation or a work sample. Um, it's it's not just generic. Add an image here. It's not just generic. Add text here. It's it's going to be. It's going to help you. It's going to guide you. It's going to frame the artifact that you are adding. And. Uh, as mentioned before, also this isn't just for people creating portfolios. This is for the reviewers as well. Um, you know, imagine having a dozen portfolios to review, and each one is structured completely differently. You know, there's you don't know where to where to start, where to stop. You you have different sections in each portfolio, name different things with different artifacts. Um, this will help uh, the reviewers as well. Because it will provide uh, st- more structured portfolios. This is one that we've actually built out, and it seems to be working pretty well. And that's the intervener competencies, so the or the CECs, right? And you know, each of these these artifacts, in the documentation, uh, need to address a specific competency,
0: well, more or just, less. If I could just add something sure. really quickly one one artifact could address many competencies at once. So in thinking about your terms, if somebody's submitting something from a program, a child care program, they may submit something that documents that they can do many areas that you're focusing on. For us in the videos, the very simple videos that you show, within those videos what that intervener was doing was pretty nuanced. But if she can explain what she's doing that addresses these competencies, she may be able to check off several boxes, and mm-hmm. a reviewer who knows the field can say, "Ah, yes, this this really does show that she knows this."
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and so, there's how many competencies? CECs? 136. 100, 136.
0: Ten domains.
3: Ten domains.
0: Ten main domains. Those those standards up there are the the same across the whole CEC.
3: And so. What we did here was, if you go back to this screen, what you could do is as you're adding an artifact, or maybe after you've added an artifact, say you've got a, a video that, uh, of you working with a child that you want to put up here as, as evidence, so you add that video, and then what you would do is drag this Intervenor Competencies block somewhere near that video, above or below. Um, we haven't decided yet. But then you would um, edit that Intervenor Competency block is what Mahara likes to call these things. And you would just check each one that that particular piece of evidence addresses. And it would show right up above your video. And so that's uh, that became a really cool way for people to, to add the competencies to their uh, evidence. And it works. What so. What does it
0: look like for reviewers then when that happens?
4: Um, they are able to see a consistent, visually consistent, and it's broken down in the knowledge and skills columns mm-hmm. but then they would have the same titles for each of the 130 would so be the artifact and whether or not the label goes above or below that would be consistent throughout so each thing would be labeled and clearly identified if you can imagine slides. if you're the applicant or the reviewer what happens if you get the wrong um, C so D C standard selected what happens if you misspell the different CPC standards, what happens if you have different numbers. This way, it's a matter of choosing your identity. You just right here. So that's the one I was thinking of. The, one of the yeah. objects really oh, yeah. is to provide oh, that's cool. That's cool. a consistent visual design, visual look to the portfolios so that rather Jeez, that than that it changing the top, radically yeah. from individual to individual, the reviewers can look through and skim and see and understand how it's structured. What's the final
2: decision On this screen right here you can see and at the top it says interviewer competencies. In this particular view, one of the many that we created to kind of have the community be able to see. um, So the community can be able to see what works best and then they tell us. We've created several different um, page views and this is one where we have the competencies at the top and they act as a roadmap. So you as the reviewer will say, I'll see this, that, and the next three things on this page. And then here is the title of the artifact is where we put the competency again. So that you can say, oh, this is this, which I would have expected to see. So that's how we use that in this particular one um, as a roadmap. And it looks, um, so there was that where the check boxes were. When you check that, it will automatically funnel to this page. So that's how they work for that reviewer. So they can see them. But they can be set up very, in various different ways.
1: Once everything is, once all of the 136 are in there, how long do you expect that it will take a reviewer to review one of those portfolios?
0: I think it it depends. Yeah. We're, um. not, we're not there yet, Bonnie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. It's possible that you don't have 136. It's possible that you have 100. So it depends on what your requirements are. Are you asking for an 80% or 100% or how many competencies do you have? So that really depends on the specific number of competencies, how many they complete. So if we had an answer, we wouldn't even have an answer. I think it's
4: also
0: up to the reviewers to determine... um, If you're going to come up here so you can use the... No, go ahead. Come on.
4: Essentially, it's just like grading um, or assignments for any class, whatever they predetermine in terms of the expectations is going to predetermine the amount of workload that they have. So the reviewers are essentially, or the committee, they're making their own bed. And that may be important, they may decide that videos need to only be up to four or five minutes in length, because if they don't, and people are uploading 30 and 45 minute videos, are the reviewers going to want to watch 10 40-minute videos, and I don't know if this is something that they've considered yet. It's just like paper and assignments, how long of a printed document are you going to allow? A five-page personal statement or a 30-page personal statement? Mm -hmm. And so those constraints are really important that, let me rephrase, it is important that the committee who is designing this, in my view, have members who will actually be doing the reviewing because it's very easy to design thorough evaluation documents or instruments when you're not the one who actually has to use it. So
0: So we're gonna go ahead and wrap up but uh, and then open it up for questions while Leanne is still here and, and the committee is here. Uh, This is how we feel even in doing this Bites and Bagels. We're taking a risk in doing this. In some ways, you know, Rox came to me and she said, oh, did you remember that you're supposed to do a Bites and Bagels? And I said, yeah, sure I did. And then there's so many things going on, just like with you all. There's so many layers to this work. The Bites and Bagels could have also been about Moodle, just Moodle itself. Could have been about the whole Moodle process. But we decided, as a team, that we were going to take this on because, like I said, we are meeting in Portland next week with stakeholders who are flying in from across the country to sit down and discuss this. You're seeing a very rough cut model. So we feel like this. But what we really need to keep in mind is back to the beginning, right? It's back to the beginning of her. She is an intervener and she is helping Brianna use her brailler. Rihanna is an academic student, so we need to keep her in mind. Just as when you design your portfolios, you need to be thinking about those programs in homes, in s- local communities, in wherever they are in Oregon. That's what we're thinking about, these interveners that are scattered across the nation. We're also thinking about our state partners, who we will be meeting with, who are going to be reminding this. This system needs to be simple. Again, why did they like home talk? Because it's easy to understand. You saw that picture of the mother and child, you saw the iconography, the white space, it's paper and pencil. They want it simple and I guarantee whoever you're going to be working with with QRIS or whatever portfolio system that you design, they're going to want it simple. They're going to want it clean and easy to use. From a reviewer standpoint, you're also going to want it clean and easy to use and systematic where that every portfolio is not a new thing that you can follow the domain so that a reviewer, once they do learn, oh, this is what I need to look for, you can get through more portfolios. So that was why my, my question was a little bit like I don't know yet, Bonnie, because we don't know what these domains, they're not firmed up yet. We do know two things. We have to address her needs, we have to address the state needs, and we have to think about how do we standardize this practice of intervention for the nation. Just as I said, it shouldn't be episodic that only in Minnesota do people understand what an intervener is. They need to understand that in Oregon. They need to understand that in New York. And right now they don't. So we're working on that. Um, So now we can open it up for questions, especially while Leanne is here before she has to go. She has been a lifesaver. I do have to say that I've never really had the chance to work with someone like Leanne she is a student worker. We value her very, very much. She's got a very bright future. Hopefully, the future is even here. Some of you that are smart might want to snag on her um, in, a, in a positive way. All right, so let's open it up for questions. Yeah, Debbie.
2: Is there a place for the reviewer to leave comments to determine if a, a standard or domain was passed or not? And if so, is it... Um, Um, viewable by everyone, or is there a way to keep it confidential? One of the beautiful things about Mahara is you can set your own privacy. You can decide that I only want people to be able to view my profile outside of reviewers for two hours. Say, why don't you come take a look? Here it is, I'll open it for you. Or you can decide to never open it, or um, and another thing that we've been working on as an aside um, for our domains, which really it makes this process um, more concrete and makes the rating, and w- if you pass, don't pass, whatever it is, um, more standard is we're um, working on the development of rubrics, so that you know if you pass or not, why. Because this is, I'm, I'm, as um, a background with interpreting, I'm looking to different tests. Mm. The, there are tests that are accepted because they have rubrics, and other ones that there's such a strong push back against because they don't, which I'm sure I see a bunch of head nods on this side of the room, which understanding where, why didn't I pass? What happened? Or sort of um, mitigating that. Um, So that's one of the ways that we're looking to address that problem.
0: And is there a way that they can submit and it's locked down until it's reviewed and they get a final answer?
2: people might be looking as it's being reviewed and like, oh my god. There, it, We have an application process where there is an actual submit saying, I'm not going to work on this until I get it back. Um, X, Y, and Z are, are completed. So um, that's also digital as well. And it's a way for us to keep track of people who are working on it versus people who are ready to have um, their pro- portfolio reviewed. So we have an online application.
0: Yeah, I have a question. Because in Moodle, <coughs> in Moodle I understand. I'm not shaking over. I just want the mic. In Moodle, I understand there are different levels of credentials for people that sign in so you can sign in with re- reviewer credentials just as Carol did when she did a review. She was kind of going in incognito. She was not going in as a participant to do the module. She was going in as a reviewer. Does Mahara have that same? Mahara does. So that's one of the beautiful things
2: that can be set where that um, no one can look at anyone else's. Because of the certain credential they have, or I can see everyone's because I'm a reviewer, or um, so there are different um, credentials that allow different permissions. And if I might
3: speak, to that. thank you. Um, there, as I I said, you know, Mahara is extensible, and there's a lot of plugins and blocks and different things that you can add to Mahara. So uh, the your your question about the messaging, there may very well be a plugin for it. You know, chunk, install it and you're good to go. If not, you know, it's something that can be built out. So, um, you know, if, if you want something within Mahara to work differently, we can make it work differently.
0: Any other questions? Yeah. Uh, you said that it ties in with Moodle, the Mah- Mahoodle thing. How do you see
2: it tying in with what we have with Google? They actually become connected. Um, There was a moment when we had them actually connected and it was live for a while and it said go to Portfolio. and It's really just a click. You sign in once and you're signed into both. It's not where you have to go back and forth and I got this page open and that page open. And There's literally a button that says export to Portfolio. So it's really a click and it's transferred over. And then you decide, okay, this is where I want it to go, this is how I want it to fit. But um, it takes the guesswork of okay, I'm gonna download my assignment, I'm gonna open this page and then re-upload it. We don't have that process. It's just a simple export to portfolio export to portfolio button. Um, so and that people that have gone through the module. Everyone will have that. Something from the module their, to
0: insert into their yeah. portfolio. Yep. Yeah, I I love that I love that question too because there are those state partners who aren't using the modules. You know, that's the other thing they have a developed system in Minnesota where they do training, so it's not dependent upon Moodle. So that was the that was also the, our rationale for exploring this tool, which we still are very much exploring it. Um, was that it can upload, right, Leanne? It can upload other, other, that was a big concern of our stakeholders so far. Any other concerns? I think our Leanne has to leave and. To Let's give her some applause. <laughs> Incredibly hardworking uh, person and very bright. Other questions for our team? That was a good one, Robin.
1: Yeah, Bonnie. Were you aware that in 2007 I was instrumental in helping name this? Uh, oh, silly <laughs> really, Bonnie. That's exciting. Yeah.
0: How did that happen? Do you want to tell a story?
1: You no, know, the Morihara Mahara. You know, I didn't oh. quite want to. Be... <laughs> Sorry. I was I was I was hooked.
0: I was right there. I was like, "Bonnie, did that? You, you had me. You had me." You totally had me. I am so gullible, though. Really? I was like, well, Bonnie teaches in Moodle? Maybe. You know, the community's so open. We should have a picture of Bonnie right here in our portfolio. Mahara, that's cute. Yeah, it's a it's, it's. What's really interesting to me is what's going on internationally with this. What's so exciting, I think, too, is as Jeff says, is we are pushing the envelope. Nobody is using this for certification at this time, um, which kind of is that jumping off point of fear. <laughs> <You know? laughs> do we really know what we're doing? But it also um, is something that we've got to do. Imagine the nightmare of, of not just dealing with Oregon, but dealing with all the different state systems, you know, and them all finding a system that's gonna be standardized. So I'm a little bit more of, We've got to get this in control and our templates got to be really, really tight or we're going to have portfolios that look like everything and that's going to be a nightmare for review. Um, so we're, we're getting there in conversations with the community. Um, does anybody else want to share what they're doing with their portfolio? Because I know this is something as that was a live picture that Leanne snapped in the hallway of someone or someone's office of all those binders. That's real time? This could even work for our, um, our promotion process here, if we were to think of more standardization and more rubrics, actually, for how something is evaluated. I mean, there's, a, there's a, a reason to have this for many reasons, so that there's transparency between this woman who is out there working so hard and submitting her work. There's transparency for her. She knows what she's got to do to meet this standard. And she knows, if she didn't meet it, why? Mm-hmm. and that's the same process for somebody who's in another state. That's fair, right? But it also keeps the reviewer safe. And GZ's been an instructor and you know this, that when a student submits something and says, why didn't I, why didn't I get an A? I got a B plus," You know, and there, there are students that do this, right? Probably I was one of them. Why didn't I get this? Um, that you have a reason for saying why. And that reason has been transparent from the beginning. And it's been clearly communicated. Bonnie?
1: Yeah, I wanted to say that uh, if we had had something workable like this two years ago, um, it, we we have a, a teacher licensure system that used to be based on work sample. Now Oregon is going toward edTPA. EdTPA is not a good system. Hmm. Um, uh, but had we had something like this, uh, it would have strengthened and made more uh, uniform, the whole um, mm-hmm. review process for for work sample portfolios. It would have made Oregon the absolute leader, I think, in the nation, probably. In my estimation, um, that system would have been uh, chosen over at TPA.
0: If only Leanne had been here at that time
1: as a student <laughs> worker.
0: Because literally, when we were doing this with Moodle, What happened was we said, you know, we're going to get to a point where we're going to need a portfolio. Ha, ha, ha. That was in the summer. You know, so Leanne, as a student worker, was just out there looking. She was just out there exploring. And then OSEP said, do it. They didn't even know that we were doing this. So it's like this huge gasoline can has gotten thrown onto our work. in a way, we're freaking out. But in another way, it's like it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to address a real need that we need. Any other questions before we depart? Okay, thank you. I did put a plug-in rocks for the next uh, Bites and Bagels, Bagels and Bites, whatever it's called. Bites and Bagels, Bagels and Bites, that we do need more presenters. So if you if you have something that you're working on, as you saw, we even presented something that's very rough cut, very much in process, even about QRIS or something like that, That'd be great, and maybe we could discuss and brainstorm a little bit more than just have straight up presentations. Okay, Thank thanks everybody. Thank